You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. We're going to hear from God's word today as we preach through the book of Jonah, starting in Jonah chapter 2, one verse before that. You may be seated. If you have one of the Advent Bibles we gave out a few years ago, or a pew Bible at home, it's page 774. This is Jonah 117 through chapter 2. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, and into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped about my head and at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Holy Spirit, we ask that you would cause this word indeed to be what it says it is, which is living and active, and that you would show us our need for Jesus today and give him to us. Amen. The Word of God is going to tackle two things for us and in us today. First, the real phenomenon of fake or partial repentance. Ooh, that sounds juicy. And second, how God responds to it. But before we get to those two things, we have to recognize something staring us in the face as modern people reading a phantasmic story about a dude praying a prayer from the belly of a fish. Stories like these have allowed many to question the validity and truthfulness of the Bible. And many a modern person has pointed to Jonah to say, you see, anyone who knows their science has to submit that the Bible is full of pre-modern mythologies that don't stand the scrutiny of modern scientific method. It's not our task today, actually, to defend the word of God. As the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. Yes and amen. But I know the understa- that uh, to the understandably skeptical mind, that can feel a little bit like a Jesus juke, a way of squirming out of the question. So let me offer two things that may not solve the problem, but might encourage a more open and charitable mind for this passage. First, there seems to be at least some science out there that indicates that it's physically possible for a human to be swallowed whole by a large sea creature. Second, 
Christians actually hold to a strong philosophical and scientific perspective on metaphysics and metaphysical reality. Namely, that the unseen spirit world is in fact as real as the natural world. And with that comes the plausibility of miracles. So even if you're skeptical of the biological possibility of Jonah surviving three days in the digestive tract of a large sea creature, the metaphysics of miracles... In other words, that God simply sustained him in the fish despite all the biological barriers is, in fact, a viable explanation. Okay, so with that, back to the work at hand. Two things. The real phenomenon of fake or partial repentance and how God responds to it. So first, on partial repentance. Are you as sick as I am of all the fake, blind, or hypocritical actions and statements thrown out in the world today, maybe especially by Christians who, even as they let out their opinions on social media about X, Y, or Z social or political topic, display their total ignorance about truth or a total blindness to the great complexity of the morals and the ethics that they see so clearly as black and white. Everything seems so clear to them, and we know it's not clear They may act humble about some things, but whether it be race or their political party, they seem so sure that they're absolutely dogmatically right and their blindness to the holes in their views or the ignorance that gets displayed, showing that they don't really see it from God's perspective, that there's this whole other world that they need to repent of. Doesn't that just drive you nuts? We may not realize it at first, but Jonah is precisely one of these characters. Jonah is a fake repenter, or at least a partial repenter. You see, only a really shallow reading of Jonah 2 would lead us to conclude that Jonah is repenting here and making a big 180 turn. This shallow reading is only possible, actually, through the eyes of Jonah himself. You read this account of Jonah praying in the belly of a fish with these seemingly pious, humble, and repentant words, and you get the sense that he's pretty sincere. You read his prayer, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. I am driven away from your sight, and yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. I mean, it reads like a psalm. In fact, it kind of reads like Psalm 18. You should go do some comparison of this chapter and that psalm. Jonah's doing what a good, pious Israelite would do. He's praying the repentant prayers of his own liturgy, his own book of common prayer. He's praying the psalms. So if you're Jonah, you're feeling pretty sincere, really sincere. But as we all know from our own personal experience, We can be sincere in our prayers and actions and sincere in our repentance even and still have huge blind spots, huge unexplored areas of ignorance and hypocrisy. The most obvious thing the book of Jonah does to show that his repentance is partial is simply to continue to tell the story. In chapters 3 and 4, Jonah ends up going to Nineveh, but it's obvious that his heart hasn't really changed. He still hates the Ninevites. He still prophesies to them God's word with great reluctance. In fact, the book of Jonah ends with the prophet 
pouting in a corner with folded arms, saying the most spiteful words to God like a spoiled child. I'd rather die here than go on doing your work. But there are also some hints in our very passage, in Jonah 2, in this prayer, that Jonah doesn't get it. That Jonah's apparent piety is really ignorant or partial or at worst, fake. Notice first the careful words of the text. Chapter 1, verse 17 says, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then, the very next verse says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish. Three days, three nights, and only then, after that long, does Jonah relent and begin to eke out a prayer of repentance. I think Jonah was in the same place he would be in chapter 4, sitting in the corner of the big fish, arms folded, pouting, just waiting to die. I'd rather die here, God. And after about three days of agonizing not dying, then, the text says, then he prayed. That actually looks less like clean piety and more like dirty desperation to me. And then, in Jonah's actual prayer, are words that within the narrative show that he's totally blind to his own sin and rebellion against God. We read at the end of Jonah's prayer in our passage these pious words in verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Oh, that sounds so good. I will sacrifice to you. I have made vows that I'll keep. The irony is that one chapter earlier, it wasn't Jonah at all who was sacrificing to God or making vows to God, but actually all the other guys in the boat, the pagans. Chapter 1, verse 16 says, The men on the boat, besides Jonah, feared the Lord exceedingly, and, listen to the word choice here, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. And when we read Jonah's prayers about him sacrificing and making vows to God, it's as if the text is screaming with irony at us, Jonah, you're clueless. The pagans do a better job than you do. Here's the deal, people of God. This should drive a lot of humility into our bones and into our social discourse, the way we talk with one another. How many times have you prayed your liturgical prayers, your sincere prayers, your prayers of repentance, only to backslide days later, years later. How many instances over the course of your life have you recognized, gosh, back then I was totally clueless about what was right and what was wrong. Honestly, that's how I felt quite recently after reading Jamar Tisby's book on race, The Color of Compromise. I said after closing the book, God, I'm so ignorant. There are so many more things that I need to repent of than I thought. You see, the fact is, all repentance is partial repentance. Which means that, and this is a hard word for some of us, all Christians are hypocrites. I read my non-Christian friends' posts, or my ex-Christian friends' posts, saying, Christians are all a bunch of hypocrites, And I want to comment on every single one of them. You're so right. Guilty is charged. I say one thing, I do another. 
I pontificate about one thing and then I ignore another. My repentance is ever and always partial. I am Jonah. Now, if and as we're willing to be honest about that, we have a big question before us. And it leads to the second point, actually. The first point was the phenomenon of fake and partial repentance and the fact that it's real. But the second point is actually more important. How does God respond to it? What does God do with the partial repenter, the fake repenter, the hypocrite? Thankfully, as Jonah reveals, God is way more merciful to exposed hypocrites than we are on social media. You see, nowadays we cancel hypocrites with more confidence, speed, and vigor than just about anything else. But the God of Jonah, the God of the Bible, is different. In Jonah's own bitter words from chapter 4, God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. If you follow God through the rest of Jonah's story, you have to marvel at his patience and his persistence and his steadfastness. God doesn't give up on this hypocrite. In fact, as Jonah continues to be belligerent, it seems as though God is magnetically drawn to him by some irresistible force of mercy and grace. It seems that, well, God's property is always to have mercy. Unfortunately, we struggle to believe that God the Father is this way because in every other circle of life, we only encounter patience that is exhaustible. We only encounter patience that's limited, that runs out. But God the Father is not quick to anger. He is slow to anger. God's hostility is not easily triggered. When many of us hear someone say something wrong or offensive or hurtful, our knee-jerk reaction at many times is outrage or attack. God the Father is not like us. He has his own instinct, his own knee-jerk reactions to our offensive ways and our partial repentance. The Father's instinct is mercy and grace. Again, it's hard to believe because our current climate on all sides of the political and social spectrum is a fever-pitched cancel culture that has no stomach or patience for anything wrong, no grace to be found there. And yet Jonah's God, our God, can stomach quite a bit. Did you know that Jesus himself preached a short sermon on this very passage in Jonah 2? He actually preached it to the judgmental and merciless scribes and Pharisees whose hearts were hard to the God of mercy, who, like Jonah, wanted the enemies of God to burn in judgment. In Matthew 12, the scribes and the Pharisees, who doubted the authority of Jesus immensely, asked Jesus for a sign. Show us that you're an authentic prophet, they said. Give us a sign. And Jesus said, I'll give you a sign. I call it the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is astounding when we think about our story in Jonah. What does God do with fake repenters and partial repenters like Jonah? He takes their broken story 
their story of failure and turns it into a declaration of his grace and mercy. Surely Jonah didn't know when he was griping and partially repenting for three days in that salty fish tomb that God would redeem that story and make Jonah a chief foreshadowing picture of how God is indeed a merciful God, the three-day death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus lay in death's strong bands those three days in the tomb, the world didn't expect that hell would have to bow the knee and vomit out a resurrected Jesus from the belly of Sheol. You see, God knows that you and I really can't handle repentance on our own. God knows that we really can't handle the full knowledge or the fullness of our sin. God knows that all repentance is going to be blind and partial. And so he sent his son to do for Jonah and for us what we could never do for ourselves. Go all the way down into the belly of the great fish and actually die there. And actually take all our past, present, and future hypocrisy down to the grave there. And as surely as Jesus died, know that all your sin died with him. Know that when Jesus died, he not only died for the sins that you're aware of, but all the sin that you aren't aware of. Jesus is that good. He's that gracious. And when Jesus rose from the dead, the Lord sealed forever that God would never cancel you. God knows no cancel culture except substitute cancellation. God canceled his own son and Jesus was willingly canceled, willingly received that so that you and I, partial repenters, hypocrites, might not be canceled. The world would condemn you and damn you to hell But the painful truth of your partial repentance is ever eclipsed by the glorious beauty of the Son's perfection and sacrifice for you. Jesus preaches the sign of Jonah here to you today. So come with me and join the club of ignorant hypocrites, once again in need of grace, once again in need of fresh, deeper repentance. And let's all stand around And worship our great crucified, risen, and ascended Jonah, Jesus Christ, for you, forever. Let the hallelujahs flow like a river. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.